0: Hello, my name is Sue S. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater, abstinent by a power greater than myself, certainly not by the power of Sue. Um, to get the numbers out of the way, I came back from an awful relapse in November of 2000. Um, I'm sorry, 2010. Uh, it took me till January of 2014 to get abstinent. Um, I came back to program weighing 340 pounds. I'm weighing now about two – I was weighed 340 when I came back. I'm weighing now 240, 270. I've been stuck there for a long time, Um, and I'll talk more about that as I tell my story. Um, But I'm still working on my weight loss. Um, I need to still lose at least another 50 pounds. Um, My childhood, I had a childhood like most kids. Um, and, um, except, you know, I was the second oldest of five kids. My sister um, was 13 months older than I was, and there was a gap between me, myself and the three younger kids, which came pretty much one right after the other. Um, my sister and I became responsible for the younger kids at an early age because my father was sickly and my mother worked full-time nights. Um, we lived with my grandfather who owned the house we lived in. And um, after he passed away, there was problems because my mother had to take out a mortgage to um, stay in the house that she had lived in all of her life. Um, and that was problems. Uh, my mother was my eating buddy, besides being my diet buddy. And when she wanted me to, there you was know, I got chubbier, she saw that I needed to lose weight and she took me to a diet doctor once who put me on pills when I was 16. Um, we tried gyms, we tried AIDS candies, we tried all sorts of stuff to help me lose weight. My sister, my sister clipped with the diet, but the diet part of things. And, um, my sister is still rather thin and I just kept eating. Um, and, um, i didn 't get the diet part- I would diet for about a week, a week and a half, and then i 'd get some strange illness and i 'd go back to my old eating habits um, i you know my first memories are of food um I believe I was born a compulsive eater, and um I got through grammar school um I got through high school, and at some point in time, I decided that if you didn't like the fact that I was heavy, that was too bad. I went to a nursing school that was part of the New York City school system, college system, and I lived at the dorm of the hospital where I was at school. And my diet was rather weird because for the first couple of years, the um, school actually paid for us to eat in the cafeteria so we would eat with the staff of the hospital um, and um, i ate all sorts of interesting things whatever was served at the cafeteria i'd eat it um but then the last year they decided we had to pay like everybody else and so we started to cook on the floor and then i got really financially strapped and um, I ate other kind of strange stuff because money was tight, because my mother, because my father had passed away, um, my mother was financially strapped. And so she financially cut me off when I was 18 years old and I was on my own. I used to work part time on the weekends and go to school Monday through Friday. Um, so what um, I wanted to do was just have something to eat. And I chose, I didn't make very nutritionally sound choices um, when left to myself. So I ate a lot of junk food. Um, and um, I developed another addiction besides, which we're not going to go into here. Um, I finally graduated school. Um, I became an RN. And I wasn't happy in my station, so I decided that I would try and go uh Eventually, I tried to go and join the Air Force. But they told me I wouldn't make the weight level for the Air Force. And so I went on a very strict diet, which I was able to maintain. I joined the YMCA and went swimming five nights a week. And I lost a lot of weight. And I also became attracted to men. And um, this one man met me, and we started to get close to each other, and eventually he proposed to me. So instead of joining the um, Air Force, we wound up getting married. Um, I went to a gynecologist who told me I'd never get back, I'd never have a baby on my own, that I would need fertility drugs. And six weeks later, I went back and told him he was wrong. Um, So within a year, I got married, had a baby, and was totally miserable because my life had changed so much, and I didn't know how to deal with it, and I ate. And I was still depressed. I had, I had postpartum depression that was really very bad, and at that time, they didn't really recognize postpartum depression, or at least the people I was with didn't recognize it. And um, I had this newborn baby, and when my husband would leave, I'd stand on the top of the stairs, and I'd cry that he was leaving me alone. I ate more food to make myself feel better. I kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, I went on a doctor-supervised diet, and for some reason, even though I was following his diet plan, I wasn't losing any weight. Um, And he stopped that after a while, and um, he just gave up the diet plan. And I tried paying ways. I tried a couple of other ways, and I just couldn't lose the weight. I just kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, Eventually, I started to get medical issues, and they told me I was going to have to change my lifestyle. And so I knew if they were talking about lifestyle changes, I'd need a therapist. So I had talked to the social worker that was working on the unit I was working on, and she suggested a therapist. And after working with the therapist for three or four months, he told me I needed to see a psychiatrist because I needed antidepressants. And I didn't want to go to a psychiatrist, so I went to my primary care doctor, and he prescribed an antidepressant for me and a anti-anxiety drug. And in January of 1991, I took the anti-anxiety drug and swallowed it down with some vodka. And I repeated the I repeated that process until my therapist called me, and he asked me how I was doing. and I said I was just breathing. And he told me to hold on, and he called the um, ambulance from the other line, and he must have called my husband. And the next thing I know, the police were coming down the stairs. They must have been checking on my kids. Um, And um, so for the next six months, I was in and out of the psychiatric wards. um, And finally, the nurse said to me, you know, Sue, every time you come in here, you've been drinking, maybe you should go to this program we have downstairs on Saturday. So my psychiatrist finally caught on, and I got a pass to go down to this program. And what I saw is everybody had a dollar on the table, and they served bre- there was breakfast at this meeting, and um, I thought the dollar was to pay for the breakfast, and I was mad because I didn't have a dollar. Um, so I couldn't have breakfast. And um, all I heard is what people lost from from their drinking. I went upstairs and I told them they were wrong. I hadn't lost any of that stuff yet, and they told me yet. So um, my psychiatrist now had the idea that, since he didn't know what else to do with me because I kept coming in and out of the psych ward, um, that I needed to go to a long term a longer term facility. and within the next week, I was upstate New York in long term in a longer term facility for drug and alcohol abuse and um, psychiatric, I stayed there the rest of the summer. And um, when they discharged me, they told me I should go to AA meetings. Now I'm not endorsing Alcoholics Anonymous. it's just part of my story. So for the next seven years, I used to go to meetings. And um, the best part about the meetings is they serve goodies. Um, So I used to go in and have something to eat and sit and listen, but I never felt like I fit in there either. So I finally, after seven years, I finally started to hear about Overeaters Anonymous. And I said to my therapist, you know, they're talking about this and maybe I should try that. And she told me that maybe that would be a good idea, but to just go for the support because they're crazy about their diet, so don't get too involved. So I called over Eaters Anonymous and it was in the white pages of my phone book. And somebody answered the phone and told me where there was a meeting that night. Um, I went to go to the meeting and the place where the meeting was supposed to be at, there were two other people there, but nobody had keys to the church. So we couldn't get in. So the woman that was there said that she knew where there was supposed to be another meeting. So we went there and... um, There was still nobody there, but at least we could get into the room and she knew where the things were for a beginner's meeting and just the two of us had a beginner's meeting. She told me to come back the next night and um, there'd be a lot of people there. And she was right. There had to be 50 or 60 people in the room. And as they did the readings for the newcomer's meeting, I knew that I was home. And um, she told me I got hooked up with a group of women and we used to go to meetings four and five and six nights a week, and we set up every night. We knew where the meeting was that we were going to go to, and sometimes we'd go out to eat afterwards. Um, and um, I learned how to eat in a restaurant by going out to going out to eat with other people from Overeaters Anonymous, and um, I lost a hundred pounds almost right away. And we. Um, and it was great. I thought my, my life was much more in control. My I felt much better. I thought, wasn't it wonderful what I had done? I was out speaking all the time, and uh, it was terrific. And then I started to get tired of doing all the work. So I used to give my food away every day. I used to write it down and give it away. And, um, you know, I did everything I was told to do. And then I got tired of doing all the work. So I stopped giving my food away. I stopped going to so many meetings. I stopped doing so much service. And eventually I wasn't going to any meetings at all. And I consoled myself with, I said, well, I have some friends and I have some, I have a food plan. I'll just stick to the food plan and everything will be okay. And eventually I had something that I hadn't had for a long time. And I was like, "Well, this still tastes pretty good. I had some more, and then there was other stuff that I started picking up, and as I said in the beginning, when I came back into the rooms, I had eaten myself back up, not just the 100 pounds I had lost, but 60 pounds above that, and I came back into the rooms weighing 340 pounds, I couldn't walk around the block without severe back pain and shortness of breath, and I was totally and completely embarrassed, I was full of shame, and um. I didn't want to come back into the rooms, but I knew there was no place else to go, because I was back. I lost my job. I had a nervous breakdown. um, I was working from home, and I was talking to my boss on the phone. And I just sat on the phone and cried, because she wanted me to do more work, and I was like, I can't do any more work. I was working twelve hours a day, on my computer, and she wanted me to do more, and I just cried on the phone to her, and I got a psychiatric. Um, a psychiatric disability. I applied for psychiatric disability and um, I said I can't do any more than I'm doing. And um, so I went out on disability and I lost that good job. Um, So I had to learn to live on less income and I was back in a a day treatment center, um, a psychiatric day treatment program for a couple of weeks and life all of a sudden became very hard. And all of a sudden, I was going back to Overeaters Anonymous and I couldn't eat over it. And that was hard. So this time, instead of just kind of glancing at the steps and making a little bit of an effort to do the steps, I did all 12 steps. Because somebody once told me that insanity is being in a 12-step program and not doing the 12 steps. Um, I found, I did a search, and I found a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. And my higher power is personal to me. It's not anybody else's higher power but mine. My higher power also has a very good sense of humor sometimes. And through recovery, um, when I was abstinent, um, my baby sister, who had cancer when she was 40, she had to, when she had her first mammogram, they discovered breast cancer. And she had gone through the chemo. She had gone through a bilateral mastectomy. Well, a couple of years later, when I was abstinent, her cancer came back, and I was able to take care of my sister when she was dying and didn't have to eat over it. Um, I had to um, go through other things, other situations in my life, and I didn't have to eat over it. Um, one day at a time, one meal at a time. Um, and um, to Wednesday, this Wednesday, I'm going through. Hopefully, I'm going to have my left knee my knee, left knee replacement done. It's the third time I've been scheduled for this knee replacement, and this time I'm really anxious. Um, but I don't have to eat over it today. One step at a time, one day at a time, I do the next right thing. I have a sponsor that I love. She's been my sponsor now for many, many years. And um, she's very spiritual. And she always tells me that you have I to take back. it through the steps. Thanks. Um, if there's something that's bothering me, I um, she tells me to take it through the steps. So I live in 10, 11, and 12. If there's something bothering me, I do a step four. Um, and, um, I see if I have to make an amends, and if I make an amends, I make the amends right away to keep my side of the street clean. Um, one of the biggest things I found when I did my fourth step is that I really was quite a control freak, and I would have thought not, but it turned out I really was. So I've let all the people in my life go and live their own lives. I've got two kids. I did have a second child. Um... And um, I now have a granddaughter, and I don't tell my son how to run his and my granddaughter's life. They do what they do, and I just, you know, keep my mouth shut unless I'm asked for an opinion, and um, I don't tell them what they should do. I don't always agree, but they're not asking for my opinion, so I'm not giving it. And um, one day at a time, I've learned to live through this day only, and do the next right thing. And sometimes I make mistakes, but I've learned through program that just because I make a mistake, I'm not a mistake. So today I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. Doesn't mean I don't have issues. It doesn't mean I don't have problems. It doesn't mean I have all the money in the world. I would love to have some more money, but not my lot. It's not that's not my lot in life. I just take it one day at a time and do the next right thing. So with that, um, I wouldn't trade my life in sobriety um, with my best day when I was eating. So um, with that, I'm starting to ramble, so I guess I'll pass. My name is Sue S. I live on Long Island, New York. My phone number is 516-721-0816. Again, that's 516 721 Zero eight one six. Um, the only other thing I'm going to say, anybody who knows me knows I do a lot of service. You may not see it on the meeting level, but I do service above the group level. Um, and um, service is my, the, one of the cornerstones of my program. And um, I believe if you're not doing service, you're not doing yourself any favors because it really helps you get into feel a part of the program when you're doing service, and I know it's really helped me. Um, So with that, I'll pass. I already gave you my phone number, and um, that's it. Thanks.